By now, we've all heard the jokes about 2020. Near the end of each month, a meme will go viral depicting the prediction of the next month's edition of bizarre and biblical things being unleashed on mankind. Often something silly like UFOs or Godzilla or something of that nature. But we see this every month, and it's because 2020 has become something truly special, and for obvious reasons. And we know that this will continue on through the end of the year at the very least. Some, like myself, expect these times of uncertainty and strangeness to continue well into the decade. But many aren't ready for that yet. And one reason I suspect as much is of the numerous prophecies from approved sources that predict what can only be described as the rise and triumph of communism, the return of communism as a force in the world, and one that will come to exert its power over everyone everywhere. Sister Lucia of Fatima said this much, as has some apparitions of Our Lady. But let's have a look at some of these today with the evidence of things going on around us, and you'll see what I and others have noticed, that the leaders of the world are moving us toward an obvious goal of instituting the Novus Ordo Seclorum. Let's begin with something infallible and inerrant, the Holy Bible. The prophet Isaiah, whose prophecies are usually thought of by Catholics as foretelling the arrival of Christ onto the world scene, and goes on to list rather overtly all the features of the Messiah that Christ would later come to fulfill, also foretells of the age of Antichrist, and what he has to say isn't pretty. The prophet Isaiah warns of the following, quote, Woe to Assyria, my rod in anger, my staff in wrath. Against an impious nation I send him. Against a people under my wrath I order him to seize plunder, carry off loot, and tread them down like the mud of the streets. But this is not what he intends, nor does he have this in mind. Rather, it is in his heart to destroy, to make an end of nations not a few. For he says, By my own power I have done it, and by my wisdom, for I am shrewd. I have moved the boundaries of peoples, their treasures I have pillaged. And like a giant I have put down the enthroned. My hand has seized like a nest the riches of nations, as one takes eggs left alone. So I took in all the earth. No one fluttered a wing, or opened a mouth, or chirped. End quote. The sending him line is something to consider, as is the implication that there was little resistance either. This is one place where the church points to, when it states that the Antichrist will be a man, not an AI or an ideology or any, something of that nature. But let's continue with one of the church fathers, who refers to the Antichrist in the following way. According to Lanctatius, quote, Another king shall arise out of Syria, born from an evil spirit, and he will constitute and call himself God, and will order himself to be worshipped as the Son of God, and power will be given him to do signs and wonders. Then he will attempt to destroy the temple of God and persecute the righteous people, and there will be distress and tribulation, such as there never has been since the beginning of the world." End quote. Some of the church fathers have pointed to Syria as where the Antichrist will emerge, so... No, he's not that whatever Western politician you don't particularly like. That person may or may not be his servant, wittingly or otherwise, but he or she is not the Antichrist. But it is worth repeating that the Antichrist is not a metaphor. The Antichrist is an actual person, one who comes to reign through a global empire, the beast with seven heads of revelation. What is most notable in Isaiah's passage is what this him whom God sends to chastise the nations does— he seizes plunder. He carries off loot. He moves boundaries and snatches the riches of the nations. In other words, 
This is precisely what communism does. It seizes private property, confiscates wealth, stifles private enterprise, and, well, you know, the rest. All in the name of the people, of course. But in reality, it's always the elite who benefit with while the people, such as they are, are kept in servitude to the deified state. Some more contemporary crit mystics, by the way, see this global empire as not a formal empire, and the beast with seven heads not being something as obvious as a united federation of Earth or whatever, but rather as the seven groups of stonecutters. It's an interesting observation, because if true, then it means that it won't be so obvious. And remember that in those times, most of the elect will be fooled into following the man of sin. But what is going on in the everyday world? What is it that we're seeing? What we're seeing is a fruition of the work of the communists that have gone quietly into the social background since the USSR exited the scene. But communism was not defeated. Those behind the efforts just took a different, more subtle approach. In her 1921 book exposing the plot for a communist Novus Ordo Seclorum, author Nesta H. Webster tackled the underlying root philosophy of the stonecutters and similar organizations, who, as it turns out, are the main forces working behind the scenes, going all the way back to the time of the Bolsheviks, which is also the time of the initial Fatima apparition. No coincidence there, I'm sure. It is the notion that civilization is all wrong, and that salvation for the human race lies in a return to nature. Not only is this clearly nuanced in the UN's Sustainable Development Goals, but it's also highlighted and condemned by Leo XIII in his landmark encyclical Humanum Genus, which I have on this channel if you want to hear the full text. In that document, Leo XIII points to the fact that the stonecutters work in the open to subvert society, often in the name of all things right and just. And this is part of the larger movement of evil taking shape in the world, even at his time. Our work is to replace the existing way of life with, quote, the substitution of a new state of things in accordance with their ideas, of which the foundations and laws shall be drawn from mere naturalism, end quote. Mere naturalism. What does that mean? It's simply the dismissal of a supernatural worldview. The imposition of a naturalistic worldview has been the ongoing project of the naturalists for quite some time, and they occupy the most important places of power in our time, and their influence grows by the day, despite also a backlash growing against them. Part of the growth of their influence is the cooperation of the prelates of the Holy Roman Catholic Church, as seen in the Laudato Si and other documents and conferences in the Vatican that I have covered extensively in the past. Another such is scheduled for this October to coincide with the anniversary of the miracle of the sun. Go figure. What is the purpose of all this? One of the earliest naturalists, Voltaire, sums up the efforts and purposes of this work. Voltaire said that when conditions are right, the effort will be made to make Christianity and its adherents a thing of the past. Over the face of the entire earth, with the establishment of some kind of universal brotherhood that's free of the traditional family, property, or even the law, and even God. It's an astonishing claim, one that shows that most of the adherents of this idea system are incapable of a complete thought that includes consequences in the reality of human nature. For it is clear that when they attempt this, wicked people will take advantage to impose their own system. And if I mean wicked, I mean even more wicked than this idea. And when they do take advantage to impose their own system, it won't be the system the likes that Voltaire sought. The key to all this is control, and as Catholic social teachings and its derivative ideas like distributism and others have made clear, the key to true freedom is property. To control people, you must eliminate property. Rousseau, a member of the Stonecutters, makes this clear when he summarizes 
how the philosophy behind organized naturalism is the idea that private property is the root of discord. Rousseau would say that civil society was founded on the first person who claimed ownership over something that the commons had the right to, and it was this act that led to all manner of evils and sin in the world. For this view, private ownership of property is the original sin that is at the root of our woes. Rousseau says that the remedy at that moment in his mythical state of nature would have been if some individual had arisen and cried out to his fellows, Beware of listening to this imposter. You are lost if you forget that the fruits of the earth belong to all and the earth to no one. In these words of Rousseau, the whole principle of communism is to be found, and it is a parody of Catholic social teaching's principle of the common good and the common destination of goods, which states that wealth and private ownership must still benefit the poor in some way. But that's another topic for another day. You need only look to the would-be planetary government to see this, quoting one of their most famous documents. Land cannot be treated as an ordinary asset, controlled by individuals and subject to the pressures and inefficiencies of the market. Private land ownership is also a principal instrument of accumulation and concentration of wealth, and therefore contributes to social injustice. If unchecked, it may become a major obstacle in the planning and implementation of development schemes." End quote. This comes from the most famous of all sustainable development documents that lays out the agenda for development for the 21st century, and it reeks of centralized control over property, to be spearheaded by the world's famous quasi-government, quasi-nonprofit organization of them all. But that organization itself is only a means to an end. So what is behind our woes today? If you look closely, you'll see that it's nothing more than financial and industrial interests. Who are those in the public eye pushing for the elimination of liberty and the collectivization of real property? Who are those spreading funds around the world to buy real assets and debt? If you look, you'll see familiar actors, ones that have pushed against the church since the dawn of the church. That ancient foe and its wicked temple is set up front and center in the present day, and all of our woes, woes that we now make light of. After all, it is 2020, and when we see some strange and dangerous thing happen, we just shrug and say to ourselves, well, that figures, we've come to accept it. But we don't need to. The opposite is called for. The prophet Micah spoke of this in ancient days, and he spoke of it in the context of what might be our time. Quote, Woe to those who plan iniquity and work out evil on their couches. In the morning light, i.e. broad daylight, they accomplish it when it lies within their power. They covet fields and seize them, houses and they take them. They cheat an owner of his house, a man of his inheritance. And the church father, again, Lacantius, spoke on this day as well. Again, what this might all be leading to, if not now, perhaps in a relatively short time. Quoting him, That will be the time in which righteousness shall be cast out, and innocence be hated, in which the wicked shall prey upon the good as enemies. Neither law, nor order, nor military discipline shall be preserved. All things shall be confounded and mixed together against right, and against the laws of nature. Thus the earth shall be laid waste, as though by one common robbery. When these things shall so happen, then the righteous and the followers of truth shall separate themselves from the wicked and flee into solitudes. End quote. At the heart of this is the agenda we saw at the Amazon Synod and in Laudato Si, the so-called sustainable development agenda. It has returned with high-profile figures now saying that the affliction will only be solved if we embrace the sustainable development agenda, which includes permitting technocrats decide for us how we will eat, 
what we will eat, and how much of it. It includes replacing meat with synthetic foods, adopting a complete overturning of the lives we have now, and allowing those making these claims to be in charge of structuring civilization. All for our own good, of course. They talk openly of resetting civilization into a global polity, which should be concerning for everyone, regardless of their ideology. But it doesn't seem to be, and that is the greatest part of the deception. Most people will go along with the ending of this era and the adoption of the Novus Ordo Seclorum that controls every aspect of your lives. And in this way, the hierarchy of the church is at present part of it. Not all members, to be sure, and even those who are part of it can still make authority claims over us within their proper, proper spheres, but they are complicit, as can be seen in the U.S. bishops ado adopting Laudato Si and pushing to make that a greater part of the lives of the faithful, with similar action being seen by the bishops around the world. Numerous approved apparitions and mystics have pointed to the role much of the clergy will play in this, having themselves imbibed of the new forms of communism that focus on the undermining of society using cultural means. At the heart of communism, why the church condemns it, is not its methods for economics, but rather the underlying philosophy that enables them, which turns the state into a deity, one that does not tolerate competition and is by definition materialist in its focus. That is the heart of the condemnation of socialism and communism. And is why capitalism is severely criticized as well. And notice that the current debates about the affliction and its consequences are all focused exclusively on the material, with little to no thought given to the other dimensions of life, going so far as our bishops now limiting homilies in length at the Mass, backed by the threat of a priest losing his faculties to preach if he does not keep his Sunday homily to five minutes in length, and the laity dutifully reporting any priest who goes over the five-minute mark as well. This points to the great apostasy, that prophesied point where most of the elect will leave the faith, leaving only a tiny remnant. Many assume that those who left will know that they have, but there is no reason to assume to that they will know. Their actions show where their true religious convictions lie. In closing, I'll remind you of this. Numerous approved mystics throughout history have pointed to the arrival of the Antichrist after a period of insurmountable problems and collapse, and that his solution will seem miraculous enabling him to claim to be God. This, this situation that they have described can be summed up in this way. The world economy will be that of the Antichrist. Physical well-being will be subject to adherence to the Antichrist. Everyone will be free if they pledge themselves to the Antichrist. Food will be given them if they pledge themselves to the Antichrist. Does that seem that different than the moral malaise the world is in now? This is the freedom to which this generation is surrendering. The moral situation of the world is that of the Antichrist already. But remember, Antichrist will be a human being, not a system, not a computer. He will be a human being. The church has said this, and it is so, but he will rule over a system, and that system may be in its early stages of construction now, or perhaps in their late stages. Let me know your thoughts on this in the comments, please. Thanks for listening, and keep praying for the church. Thanks for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.